Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. And once again, I'm seated here in the Boys in Blue podcast studio in beautiful Mesa, Arizona. And a lot of you know that have listened to my podcast. I'm a retired deputy sheriff from Pierce County up in Washington State. One of my... uh, Fortes in my law enforcement career was being part of the canine unit, which I dearly loved and have a heart for. And so I know a little bit about police dogs. But our guest today, uh, he might know a little bit more than I do. For the simple fact, I was in canine for six years, and he's been in canine now for 25 years. <laughs> so I want to welcome to the podcast uh, Deputy Sheriff John Munson of the Pierce County Sheriff's Office. John, are you on the line with us today? I am, Bill. Thanks for having me. John, you're so welcome. And I met you out there in Pierce County. You came by to introduce yourself to me when you heard I was in town. And I thought that was so respectful of you, and I appreciated that. Um, yeah, we came gotta, on. Got to meet the guys that started. Yeah, I tell you, it's kind of uh, interesting to see how the canine units progressed or degressed. <laughs> you <wanna> look, <laughs> however, you want to look at it. But right. I'm I'm looking now. You've been on the sheriff's department for how long now? Uh, lucky enough to be all 29 years. Actually, just 20, over 29 years. 29 years. Yeah. And I, I, I was telling uh, my good friend Jerry Learham the other day, he was on Tacoma K-9, uh, how much I appreciate you guys at, at look at it as being a, a privilege to, to serve. I mean, that is a good job. And uh, yeah, you get some guys complaining about it and stuff. But you know what? It's a real privilege to be part of uh, law enforcement. That's my take on it anyway. So Yeah, 20, no, I would agree with you. 29 years on the sheriff's department. Now, it's kind of interesting. We were chatting before. You are from what part of the state? I grew up on the uh, eastern part of the state. I grew up in Spokane. Spokane, and then, Washington. Uh, yeah. And then and I started when I decided that law enforcement was the route that I wanted to go. I started testing pretty much all over. And at the time, Spokane PD only tested every other year. And I fell in that window where they were not testing. Uh, so I branched out. I tested for Seattle a couple times, King County a couple times, uh, a couple small departments, Tacoma PD. I tested for them, and then the last test I took was for for Pierce County, and it uh, ended up working out. And it was kind of funny because I had a couple other buddies that was going to school with, and and we were testing together, and it was weird. We'd, we'd go out of town, you know, we'd come over here to the West side and test. And we had a friend that worked for Seattle PD that we would stay with. It kind of turned into a party every time we came. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't getting hired, but 
I came over, took the county test, Pierce County test by myself and voila, I got hired. Wow. That's great. That's great. So what, what you grew up in Spokane there. And now my, my understanding is when you got hired, you were the ripe old age of 21. Is that true? I was. Yeah, that's true. I was, I was 21. It's not no kids still. (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But, uh, so what drew you to law enforcement? What was the first indication that, wow, I want to be a policeman? You know, it was kind of interesting. My first, my first thought was I thought the Secret Service was cool. That's what I wanted to do. I was going to be a Secret Service agent. I remember graduating from high school when you walked across the stage and got your diploma from the school superintendent. You know, she always wanted to know what you wanted to do. So that's what I told her. I was going to be a Secret Service agent. And then... We had a neighbor, my neighbor, at uh, my parents' house where I was growing up and in high school, they, uh, he was a retired NYPD cop. And so talking to him and hearing about the job and stuff like that kind of more focused my uh, interest maybe on the, on the police side or, you know, the, the um, local side rather than federal stuff. And then uh, went to Spokane Community College. They had a law enforcement program. And it was a two-year deal, obviously, but I stretched it out uh, for almost three because if I'd have done it in two, I would have been 20 years old when I got done. I would have had to hang around for a year or whatever before I could you know, get hired by any department. So I was working and then they had this, uh, they called it a co-op program. It's almost like a cadet program that a lot of people are familiar with, but it was a little bit different. We wore a different uniform, obviously, than the regular patrol officers for Spokane PD. And uh, we would go out, we would take low priority calls where they would give us an unmarked car to drive. Looking back on it now in this day and age, it was probably, it was crazy what we were doing. We didn't have bulletproof vests. We didn't have guns. Sometimes we drove a marked car if that was all that was available. Um, But yeah, so we're going out knocking on people's doors and taking low priority reports for them for the, to, you know, keep the the road officers free and stuff like that. In this day and age, I don't think that would be happening would be happening but uh, it was good experience um and it made me realize now this is what i want to do oh yeah kind of what got me going uh you know it is interesting you bring up the point of uh they would never do that nowadays you know send cadets out (laughs) like that but well i i that reminds me of when i started i started as a reserve down in fife washington and uh, the only a small department then they only had five regulars, but they had about 12 reserves. And yeah. uh, all you had to do was you had to buy your own uniform and your own gun and leather and stuff. And so they didn't even know if you could, I mean, you're talking about, okay, you didn't have guns. Well, I think it was even more dangerous because we did have guns. <laughs> 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 yeah. And we had we had no clue there, you know, there was no qualification or nothing. Well, you got a gun, got bullets. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. The good old, yeah, good old days, boy. Things have improved. Yeah, exactly. Immensely. So you got, you went over there and took all those tests. And that tells me a lot right there for the simple fact that I had the same burning desire. And I think I took, oh, 11 tests for different departments and yeah. uh, it got hired with Fife. Uh, and then also yeah. I worked part-time for Milton, but you know, those are small towns and they were good stepping stone, learned a lot, but 
uh, when the county, there was another one of those gigs where it's uh, every two years they tested. And I was a year and eight months into the list. You know, the list would die off after two years. And when they called me for the simple fact that now I don't know how they did it when you got hired. Uh, anybody taking the test, if they were a veteran, they got uh, 10 points. I don't know if they oh, do yeah. that anymore. Yeah. So veterans yeah. preference, they called it. Yeah. So yeah. That, I, I scored pretty high on the test, but by the time they handed out those points, because I wasn't in the military, uh, I was, I don't know, number 12 or something. Anyway, we were very fortunate to get on Pierce County. Good department. I got nothing but good things to say about that. So here's the interesting yeah. part. Talking to you, John. You're over there in Spokane. You get hired over here in Pierce County, and you don't even know the lay of the land hardly. I mean, this is, you maybe been through here before, but you're not that familiar with Pierce County. No, not at all. I mean, I, I looking at the map, I knew it was around Tacoma. I knew Tacoma was over here. I remember I had to come over a couple times because I, after I got, obviously, I came over for the testing process a couple different times. And then after I got hired, I had to come over and uh, get fitted for uniforms and vests like that before my before my official start date. And so I'd come over a couple times, and when I came over, I'm like, man, I need to find a place to live. And I didn't know where to go. And it was funny because nobody really said, hey, stay away from this area, or this is a good area to live. Uh, yeah. So the first, I remember coming uh, down I-5, once I crossed the county line, I come in and I see some apartments on my right-hand side in Fife. And I thought, I thought, well, I'll go check those out when I get done. And so I got done doing everything I had to do downtown and was going to head back, drive back to Spokane. So I stopped in there and talked to the lady on site. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. She was, you can, we can get you hooked up. And I remember it was a, I had a one-bedroom apartment. It was 475 bucks a month. And I thought, hey, I can afford that. It's so cool. So I moved in or I got it set up so I could move in. And so uh, they called, the county called and, and said, hey, this is your start date. And be ready to go. So I moved over on a Friday and I started to work on Monday. And, and then it was after I got hired, you know, I'd started, people started asking me, hey, wh- wh- you came from Spokane. Yeah. Where'd you move to? Where do you live? And I'm like, well, I live in these apartments in Fife. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're, you're good there. You're good there. I'm just like, well, thanks. And it turned out it was worked out good because one of the guys I got hired with, he lived in another apartment complex, also in Fife. He was just on the other side of I five, so it worked out good for both of us. But yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the place. I just, I was happy to have a job and and happy to move over here and get started. Sure, that's one of the beauties of being young, huh? You can adjust all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so now you paid your dues in patrol, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I worked uh, when I first got hired. We. Um, we rotated shifts and days off every 28 days when I got out of the academy and, and got assigned to got through my FTO and, and got assigned to a squad. We, we would work, um, you know, you'd work 28 every, every 28 days, you'd switch shift and, and, uh, days off. And so you got to work day shift, swing shift, you know, graveyard. So you got to experience them all. And, and then we went to a bid shift and that was on the East side of the County that I worked. And then we went to a bid shift and, um, I ended up going to Lakewood to work, which was at the time, it wasn't a contract city. It wasn't a city. It was just an area. It was just our West side. Yeah. Went over there and worked swing, worked swing shift for the first six months. And then uh, I went to graveyard and I partnered up with 
uh, Scott Brown, who was a, a guy that I got hired with, who uh, luckily just retired a few weeks ago, but um, partnered up with him on Graveyard, and we worked together for, oh, geez, three years before he went the narcotics route, and I went the canine route. Wow. We had a good, well, yeah, so we had a good time to get over there. It's a pretty good contrast between Lakewood and the east side there. You know, you got to yeah. get, get to know those GIs, John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fort that's Lewis for sure. Silicon, oh boy. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. so now working. How many how many dogs were in canine when you got hired? Oh shoot, we had. See, when I got hired, we had Bob Larson and Wolf. We had Paul Schneider and his dog Monty. We had John Jimenez and his uh, dog drug dog Jamie. We had Steve Wigley, and he had. Um, I'm not sure if he had Adam or what his dog was that he had at the time. And then uh, those are the ones I remember. And then I know Bobby Nielsen got in, Gary Westcott got in, um, Sheldon Lassard got in. When I got into canine, when I actually got into canine, it was, it was uh, Gary, Sheldon, Paul was at the tail end of his dog career. And Bobby was, uh, Bobby got out when I got in. So. Um, okay. It was, uh, then, yeah. Who was, the, who was the trainer? Uh, Jack, when I got hired, Jack McDonald was still the trainer and I didn't really know. I knew who Jack was. I didn't know him. I didn't really know him that well. I'd, I'd seen him a little bit, but he was, he retired shortly after I started on the department. And then, um, Steve Wigley became our department dog trainer. And so I was, uh, I was trained under Steve and okay. Gary Westcott was, doing a lot of, Gary Westcott was doing a lot of training at the time as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So now you were a canine. Now you are now the trainer. How long have you been the trainer, John, for canine? I've I've been the trainer for our department since uh, two thousand three. So seven, seven, seventeen years now. Seventeen years, man. Oh man, that's a lot of dogs coming and going. So how many dogs have you yeah. had? You know how many dogs have I've had? I'm on number six. I just number I just six. retired a dog and I just finished training a new one. So I'm on number six now. My goodness. Have they all been, I think we talked now, they were all shepherds except for one Mal. I had, yeah, I had, um, one of my dogs was a Mal. I had him for two years. He was a pain in my, you know what? So I got rid of him after a couple of years and then went back to a shepherd. And that's the dog that I just retired. Uh, Hans, uh, he worked just over six years and he was a little bit older when I got him. And so he just worked, he worked for six years. I just retired him. And now I went back to a Mal that I have now, uh, who's 17 months old. And, um, he's quite motivated to say the least. As yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now, um, you've been on the street. How long with, uh, this dog's name is bricks, right? Yeah. Bricks. Yeah. We've been yeah. on the street as of last night, one week. Wow. So yeah. you're still waiting for the one big capture. Yeah, we uh, thought we might have it last night. We had a couple of opportunities. We had a, one of our sergeants gotten uh, uh, chased with a motorcycle, and he ended up dumping it in a front yard of the duplex. And then it turned out that he actually lived at the duplex, and he was in the duplex. And girlfriend or whatever she was, she wouldn't she wouldn't give him up, wouldn't let us come in, make sure he's there. It was kind of funny because the keys that he'd left in the ignition on the bike had the house key on it <laughs> in the door. But she claimed, uh, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know that bike. Oh, uh, boy, boy. 
Yeah. Well, uh, in other circumstances, he would have run off in the bushes somewhere, and then that would have been a good job for Bricks. Uh, well, that's, that's interesting. And, you know, and what kind of got my attention also, John, is when you told me, I asked you how long you planned on staying with the department. You said, well, till I'm 35, until I have 35 years on, which is six years from now. But now I got this new dog, so I may stay a little longer. And that's encouraging. Yeah. Because, uh, it's pretty exciting to take a new pup and get him out there and get your feet wet and make a star out of him, huh? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's exciting when you get a new dog. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, with, you know, anybody knows who's done it, it's tough retiring a dog and, and um starting a new one i'm lucky i consider myself really lucky because uh basically the majority well my basically my whole career has been has been canine for the most part um except for the little bit at the start but um so i've been lucky i was able to work i've been able to work several dogs i haven't had to experience the the uh really big change uh, if you were a handler and you work your dog your dog retires and now you've got to go do something else mm-hmm. yeah. or whatever. I've never had to experience that. So I've been really fortunate uh, as far as that goes. Uh, but it is tough when you work a dog and you get really attached to them and the dog's doing awesome. And then unfortunately they have to retire because of their age or whatever. It's just time. And now you got to start over with this new kid that really doesn't know anything. <laughs> and you've got to, you've got to get them going, but, but it's also fun. It's also fun to, fun to do that to take that new that new kid per se and get him trained get him up and running and, and get going uh, now did you have the opportunity to uh take bricks out along with um uh, your other dog that you just retired no um it didn't work out that way my dog that i just retired he ended up having cataracts and so he had cataract surgery back in january and a real successful surgery turned out good and then, um, I, in that time I got a new car and the new cage style that we have was set up to have two dogs if you wanted, but the part that you need to make that happen was like 800 bucks. And we thought it came with a cage, but it didn't. So kind of a long story, but no, so it didn't, um, end up working that way where I could still have the new dog in training and still have Hans with me until the new dog was up and running and, and then Hans would officially retire. So it didn't work that way. And uh, unfortunately, as much as I was hoping, the two dogs are not friends. Oh, really? No, they are not friends. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So that's something that we're still working on. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, you know, yeah. I had my dog boss. And yeah. started to have the hip problems. And so I got Adam, which was Steve Wigley's dog. But Adam was right. only like six months old. So there was no question of who was the dominant male there. Uh, right. So boss was the boss. <laughs> so I could take Adam with <laughs> yeah. me. I could take Adam with me. And that was a real chore in itself, you know. But from watching right. boss work and taking Adam along on the training routes, and he'd see how the dogs would bite the rat, and he thought, heck, I can do that. Uh, that yeah. was so helpful. Matter of fact, uh, Adam was only 12 months old, her, his first night on work. Wow. And he, he had his first capture when he was 13 months old. But wow. he'd, been, he'd been around it for six, seven months. He, he knew exactly what to do. 
And he had right. a nose like he had a nose like nobody's business. It was just uh, so that was the transition there. The hard part there was having to hook him up to go to work and boss sitting there watching us leave. <laughs> yeah, you know the yeah. old dog sitting there saying, "Hey, wait, wait, wait! Aren't I supposed to go?" Yeah. <laughs> but I anyway. had that with I had that with my second dog and my third dog. They were, my third dog was young. Both of them were black shepherds. And they would ride in the car together with each other in the back. And one would bark out one window and one would bark out the uh, other. And they'd, swap yeah. with, they'd swap windows. And so it worked out good until the younger dog got a little bit, just a little bit more mature. And then they kind of started grumping at each other in the back of the car. And, mm. you know, okay. And then pretty soon they would race to the car and the new dog would get to go in the car. And the old one, sorry, buddy, you got to stay home. And, uh, uh, yeah. Tough uh, one. Yeah. That's a tough one. Well, tell me, and all it. 25 years you've got to have some what is maybe one of the most uh memorable calls you were on related to canine oh wow we've uh we've had a few one of the ones uh a most more really recent one that we had was when i obviously with hans uh we're part of our our we're on our swat team as well and we had a we had a swat call out one morning early morning probably now it's three thirty-four in the morning, down to the uh, just outside of the little town of Ording, and um, there was a female that had been shot in the foot or something like that, and she had ended up at this house, and we get down there, and um, there was they were living in what they called this tree fort, which was across uh, one of the little rivers down there, and um, and she said, yeah, there might there was another guy there, he might have got shot too information was kind of kind of vague so we get down there um kind of get set up what we're going to do and we had to wait for a couple of our swift water uh people to get down there with a one of the small inflatable rafts to get us across to the other side and so while we're waiting we're kind of burning daylight and, or you know burning nighttime and it's, it's going to start to get light pretty soon and by the time we get started we get across the dog and i and a couple entry guys and we start working our way down this trail. We immediately come to a wheelbarrow that's got blood, a cell phone, and a gun in it. I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. And so we work our way down this trail to where the supposed tree fort is and get down there a little ways and um, kind of fan out in the bushes because we kind of see where smoke is coming up. It looks like somebody's got a campfire. And so we're kind of watching the, the area a little bit and for a couple minutes, and we don't see any movement. There's nobody around. There's no sounds, nothing. And, but we don't see a tree fort either. So we're like, man, this has got to be the right place. So we kind of finally sneak into this area and there's an old travel trailer sitting on there on the property and some little sheds and a little outhouse thing. And, but there's still no tree fort. And so by this time it's gotten fairly light and we're kind of really looking around. It's like, well, this was the tree fort, but now it's burned to the ground. And we start looking in kind of what's burned around there's a propane tank in there and some other stuff and and then something caught our SWAT commander was with us who's also a detective sergeant he's uh he's like hey you guys notice anything here in the ashes and we started looking a little closer and was like "Ooh, that's a body laying there it's all oh yeah there. oh wow yeah so so it was like whoa so maybe she was right so about that time somebody gets a hold of me on the air and says hey if you guys are still out searching, just be advised there's a guy walking along the river with his dog. Like, okay. 
no big deal. So we were done at that point because we'd kind of cleared the area, didn't find anybody, really no indication of anybody around uh, at that point or anything. So we were kind of just in a holding pattern until detectives were going to figure out what they were going to do and stuff like that. A couple minutes later, one of our one of our contract chiefs, Michael Umborg, who's a uh, contract chief at Edgewood PD, he was a former canine guy. He gets a hold of me and says, hey, that guy that was walking with the dog, he gets, he goes, what's the description of our, of our bad guy? So he's like, well, this kind of matches. And he yelled at him. He says, he's not, he's scurrying away from me into the woods. But Michael was on the other side of the river, so he couldn't just run across. So we're like, all right, we go back to the boat, jump in. Our Swiftwater guys float us down the river a little farther to where Micah last saw this guy. We had to make a stop on the way because one of our Swiftwater guys got tossed out of the boat when we hit a rock. So So we get down to the spot, we get out and get over to where this guy was last seen and immediately Hans picks up the trail and we go through the brush and we come to the base of this hill and the dog starts going up this hill and this hill is probably... It's almost, it looks like, scanning at the bottom of it, it looks like we're almost going to go straight up the way this hill, the way this hill looks. So myself and another one of our uh, SWAT guys is with me and, and we start up this hill following Hans. He's on a 30 foot lead and, and we go up, we're going up, going up, going up. And Micah says, yeah, the dog that I saw was a pit bull that was following this guy, just so you know. It's like, okay. So we're going, 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 and, and we're, I'm hanging on to the leash, but I'm also trying to grab stuff to help pull me up because it seemed like we would take a step up and we'd slide, you know, three steps back down. And sure, yeah. So we get, up, we get up quite a ways up this hill, and all of a sudden we come to this pit bull that's just sitting, staring at us. And behind the pit bull is a down log, and kind of a stump sticking up. And the funny part was, we're looking at this dog and we're thinking, oh man, what's, what's this dog going to do? And it's staring at us. And then pretty soon the dog looks over its left shoulder behind him towards the down log and the stump. He looks back at us. And then pretty soon he looks back over his left shoulder again. He looks back at us. And he looks over again. I said, hey, Chris, I go, I think the dog's given, given his dad away. <laughs> so, so Chris moves up the hill a little bit farther. And, uh, and he gets up just enough where he can see the top of somebody's head behind this, behind this log. And so he challenges him and he keeps up and his hands are up in the air. He's like, I'm right here. As he starts to kind of slide down the hill, the pit bull runs to us and I'm yelling at the guy, Troy, your dog. He goes, don't shoot my dog. Don't shoot my dog. She's friendly. Dog comes running over, gets about five feet from us, spins around and looks back at his dad, like going to watch the show now and see what happens to you. And so we, I mean, we were in a very bad position. Had he wanted to shoot it out or something like that, we were in a bad spot to have a gunfight. There was no doubt about it, but fortunately it was cooperative. We're like, Hey, you're going to slide down the hill to the bottom. Our guys are down there waiting for you. He goes, Oh, I'll slide down. Just don't hurt my dog. Don't hurt my dog. We won't. So he started sliding down. We started sliding down. And at one point I had to grab onto branches just to stop myself. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to end up falling down this whole hill. Because the dog sees the guy going down, so the dog's dragging me down. There. Sure, yeah. We we stop. The pit bull stops right beside me and looks at me like, "Hey, what are we what are we doing here?" And I'm like, "You can go, just go." I'm like, "Go." So the dog takes off downhill and gets down to its owner, and they get him in custody, get him back in the boat, and, and get him across. And 
so I mean, it was, it was a, it was a cool call. It was scary. Um, it was awesome that the dog tracked and found both the dog and the guy, but it was kind of all that wrapped into one. But it was a, it was a good, uh, good yeah, you the got, capital, get a homicide yeah, suspect for sure. You got a variety of things there. You're out in the swift water boat. <laughs> yeah. Pit bull to contend with. And that, you know, that can be a real problem when, uh, when there's other dogs involved for sure. I mean, I know your yeah. dogs are trained not to, to fight with other dogs at all, but at the same time, uh, they have to protect themselves. And I think the, right. my dogs anyway, depending on me to take care of this guy, you know, the other dog. Yeah. So I've been a few of them with my flashlight just to get their attention. And, but yeah, that's, oh, that, yeah. Can really, that can really, uh, be dangerous if you're already facing a suspect for sure. Boy. Yeah, exactly. Um, fortunately, my dog wasn't, fortunately, my dog's not dog. He wasn't dog aggressive. Anything like that, he could really care less about the pit bull, and especially yeah. when the made himself known. I mean, he was totally focused on him. Which yeah, was yeah. Well, those pit bulls can be a handful, that's for sure. Well, so now you're the yeah. trainer, and yep. it's interesting to me how the training has evolved. Um, you mentioned you were on lead with your dog, and my understanding yeah. now is every everybody's required because of litigation to have their dog on lead. Yeah. Is that the way that yeah, is now? I don't know. It's it's pretty much a common practice. I wouldn't say it's a requirement. I mean, because there's times that you just have to either drop the leash, uh-huh. or drag it, or, or yeah. whatever. But uh, like when I first got in, 90, 99% of my tracks were done awfully. I mean, you yeah. turned the dog loose, and it was up to us to keep up with the dog, and you controlled them with your voice and, and things like that. But yeah, I would say now majority of everybody around is, is tracking on at least a 30 foot lead. Mm. Um, and we make it, we used to, you know, you used to have to make an announcement if you're going to search a building, you know, let the janitor or the school teacher or sure. you know, security guards, whatever, let them know that, Hey, if they have to be in the building, we're coming in. And now we make an announcement for everything track before we do a track area search, building search, everything's an announcement. Mm. For Interesting. Well, huh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's interesting well i was uh trained under the uh the idea of off lead <clears throat> and so that's yeah. what we did and there was other there was other uh trainers from other departments that swore by being on lead and uh there's almost a kind of a contention there but i ended up yeah. with uh realizing and understanding the value of each depending on the circumstances and right. what woke me, woke me up one time is when uh, tracking a guy, he was between the freeway fence and the freeway, right along Pacific Highway there. And it's quite a, oh, 50 feet of brush in that. And those mm-hmm. big sem- semis and trucks and everything going by and we're tracking, my dog cannot hear me. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's very possible if the suspect decided to cross the freeway, my dog would too. So I saw the value yeah. of having your dog hooked up to a lead and in control at certain times. And there's other times yep. where it's pretty dangerous to be tethered to that dog. Um, a lot of times if I know, well, the King County guy, Shaughnessy, I know he got shot just for the simple fact that he's hanging on the leash and the dog drags him right up to the suspect. Well, right. if, you, <laughs> if you have him off lead, you can kind of hang back and observe the situation where the dog takes care of business there for a minute. That's oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So now when you're yeah. training, what is your biggest challenge, John, being the trainer? 
Is it getting the dog squared up or the handler or just making a good match or how's that work? You know, it's, it's kind of a little bit of everything. Um, the class I just finished, I had myself and with my new dog and I had two Tacoma handlers, um, one with a recycled dog and then one with a, with a brand new dog. And then I had a, a guy from Kent PD who was an experienced guy that got a new dog and uh, the state requirement for him was only 200 hours as opposed to four for green handlers. Um, so he got done after week five and he went back to his department and worked and he caught somebody within his first week back and all that. So they're doing good. And, but, uh, and then we continued on with our class, but I think um, a lot of times every dog has its own little quirk and usually in class, you figure out what that is. And a lot of times it might rear its head quick and you, okay, this is, we've got this quirk and we're going to deal with it. No big deal. Sometimes it's the two-legged side of the team yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that has the, that has the issue. And um, some people get into canine and they don't really maybe know what they're getting into. Um, and they learn really quick that, well, this is more work than I thought it was going to be. And so you're trying to coach them along and, and helping them out. They've got to learn to figure out what the dog's telling them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it can be tough. So some it's, it goes both ways. Sometimes I would say, sometimes we have more focus on the human side that we've got to really work with. And sometimes we got to focus a little bit more on the, on the dog side that we've got to work with and, and figure out their quirks and what works for them and what motivates them and what sure. gets them to listen best, things like that. Sure. So it can be fun. It's fun. I, yeah. Go ahead. It's kind of like a big puzzle. I'm assuming now I, I know there's been yeah, it is. guys that are excellent policemen, but they're not dog handlers. They just don't have that gel and that uh, bonding that has to take place with an animal. They just, I mean, the best cop in the world, but uh, they think yeah. canine's cool because you go to all the hot calls, and that is true, but you got to have that. Uh, well, I don't want to be in a motorcycle, and I understand that. That's not my gig at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. But some, some right. of those guys, I mean, they live in breed motorcycles well you know everybody's got their own yeah. thing so i'm sure we've had to we had to wash a few handlers out but it wasn't because they weren't good policemen it just wasn't you know their gig and i think they recognized that right. towards towards the end there wow uh, mm -hmm. so anyway you got this new pup i'm pretty excited for you it sounds like yeah. uh, a, a challenge at the same time and i don't know um one of the things that was so fun for us is we had this friendly competition uh, to see who could get the most captures. <laughs> I don't know if that if that it still goes changed. on. It has. Oh yeah, it hasn't changed. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. Who's the first on the call? And that was the gig. It yeah. would be like whoever arrives first gets the track. Well, before yeah. long, I'm getting on the radio and say one three seven's arriving. Well, I'm still three blocks. <laughs> Oh yeah. When I, when I first got into canine, when I first got into canine, Paul Schneider was that way. That guy was close to everything. And I'm like, how does he do that? How does he, I mean, a call would come out and be like, Oh, 185 County, I'm arriving. I'm like, no way. I'm like, how does he do that? So you drive like a madman. I got to beat Paul there. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm glad to hear that because that, that makes not only, you know, and, and 
get the other guy got there first and made a capture, you celebrated with him. You know, I mean, it's just friendly competition. Right. Just, uh, <laughs> I think that was the most fun, just trying to outdo those other guys. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gotten a little more. It's gotten a little more tame now. It's kind of. I suppose it's a little more friendly now. It's like you show up at a call. There's a couple of us working or whatever. And it's like, hey, when was your last capture? Oh, it was, it was three weeks ago. It's like, well, I had one three nights ago. So, hey, you're up. You take it. Yeah. Well, you know what that's from? That's from uh, a trainer's heart. You know, you're trying to get your guys going there. <laughs> but I yeah. wasn't a trainer. I wanted the captures. So <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. Of so tell me now, um, how many dogs are in Pierce County now? Uh, for the sheriff's department, we've got five, five patrol five. dogs. We have um, technically six. We have five patrol dogs, and then we have a bomb dog um, that's assigned to our transit contract with Pierce Transit. So he uh, he falls under their budget, stuff like that. But um, that's a new handler as well, Greg McClendon. He just came out of, of um, canine or bomb dog school here not too long ago. Um. He's out working with a recycled with a recycled dog. His dog worked with another handler who actually retired from the department. I and see. The dog, wow. was still, the dog was still young enough, so they kept him in service. He's got at least probably a couple more years in him, hopefully, and then uh, he'll, he'll transition to a new dog as well. Well, I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in training techniques and uh, oh, getting, yeah. to a, getting to appreciate uh, the ability of the dogs. I still don't think we totally understand everything they can do. If we would no, learn, I would how to, learn how to tap it. I mean, it's amazing what they can do. But anyway, John, um, what's your plans now? Are you going to stay with K9 as long as you're in law enforcement there? Yeah, I will probably I will probably ride this out now till uh, to retirement. I'm fortunate enough that I'm in a position where I can do that. I didn't, like I said earlier, I, I don't have to get out. My position is exempt as the trainer from the rotation. And I'm lucky enough to still be able to work a dog uh in that position as well and so we're now that i have bricks he's young he's only 17 months old um he's got a lot of years ahead of him and hopefully i can keep up with him for however many years he's got left <laughs> that's uh that's a big one so it helps keeps me in shape and and uh i'm looking forward to really getting him going unfortunately i will say it's not as busy uh we're not as busy as we used to be i joke i joke with people and and stuff that back in our when we had the real mess problem in our county we were really busy because mm. everybody was paranoid and they were running mm. and stuff like that now we're now we've moved into the to the pill the pills and the, and the heroin and stuff like that and people aren't as paranoid they're kind of just like just kind of just mellow and stuff mm. like that mm. i always mm. joke that we need to bring meth we need to bring <laughs> meth back and get busy again <laughs> so but yeah i'm excited i'm excited to uh. get him going and and uh, see what he does and, and get him back incorporated into our SWAT team with me. And, oh yeah. Uh, so he's yeah. got, some, he's got some big shoes to fill, but I think uh, I'm confident that he'll do it. Sure. Sure. Well, he's got a good handler, John. I'll tell you uh, one of the things we always used to, you know, when you find, when you're chasing a suspect and you find the dog and the suspect on one side of the fence and the handler on the other, it's time for the handler to retire. <laughs> you can't get over the fence yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but right. you, you look like you're in pretty good shape, John. Well, listen, yeah, I it's, been a, it's, it's been great to have you on the podcast and find out a little bit about you and uh, the canine itself. Uh, we talked for hours and we didn't get into this uh, theory of scent and that. That is just an amazing uh, conversation in itself. But listen, I'm going to yeah. let you go now, but 
uh, I get up there once in a while. When I do, well, I'll have to touch base with you. And I, I don't know if you get down this way to Arizona or not, but uh, I try to. My... Yeah, we've got some. I got your number. Okay, great. Well, listen. Yeah, we'll thanks, for having... you. thanks for having you me. Bit. Real pleasure. Yeah, you thanks take for care. Me. Appreciate it. Be safe, and I'll be looking forward to seeing some uh, write-ups on bricks there. Yeah, yeah, the new pub. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, John. I appreciate it, Bill. I appreciate it. Godspeed, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to the Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think.